Yeah, it's great, great to be with you, Shane. And, you know, we, uh, I think it was what a couple of years ago when we did this conference in, in, um, in Birmingham, Alabama, and, and, and it, and it was just powerful. Uh, so I'm glad to have this, uh, this expanded version that we can mm. tell people it's, it's, it's phenomenal. So, um, and, and I, and I really, uh, really appreciate your heart uh, for, and, and, and the other, the others that are involved with this for, for the kingdom. Uh, Cause that's what it's all about guys. It's, it's not about building our own kingdom. It's about building God's kingdom. And, and so that's what, that's what we're about. And, and when, you know, when someone else that we're, either mentoring or we're in relationship with and they, they fulfill the will of God and they have a success, you know, that's, that's our success. And it's just, it's just awesome. I mean, I've, I've got a relationship okay. with, a, with, a, you know, Mark Matchin and, and he's one of the speakers here in this conference and, and man, to see what they're got, how God's blessing their church. And, and that, that is phenomenal what God's doing in, the Grace Life Church family. It's just, uh, man, it's just uh, nothing more exciting. And, you know, with Ben Conway and, and uh, uh, man, it's just, it's just great in the Tree of Life family and there in the UK. And it's just great to be a part of the kingdom. I'm just, man, this is a great time to be alive. Um, and I, I want you to know something. There, there's, not, there's not anything more significant in in uh in our culture in our world in the church in, in the kingdom today than than uh than new churches being birthed uh you know you have a lot of churches dying and uh i'm not i'm not at all thrilled about that but some of them who aren't preaching the word and aren't allowing god to you know they don't have a kingdom vision but they probably need to die and it's not that i wish that on any anyone, but we, we need, like never before, we, we need new, new churches being birthed that are, that have this uh, wonderful message of grace and faith and, and the finished work of the cross and everything that God's doing uh, and has done. And, uh, but look guys, the finished work of the cross does not exempt you and I from the, from our part of the unfinished work of the church. And we've, we've got a job to do and the Lord and people have need of us and, and people need a place where they can come and, and receive the truth uh, in love. And in first Timothy chapter three, uh, Paul in verse 15, Paul's telling Timothy, the reason he wrote, he wrote this, this epistle was, he said, verse 15, if I'm delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. So he wrote this. So number one, so that uh, pe people know how the church is supposed to operate and function. But then he goes on to say the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Uh, listen, guys. Your role in, in this uh, third great awakening and this, this uh, move of God 
is that you you are stewards uh, and of, of what God's doing and you're the pillar in the ground. You're the support and the promoter uh, of the truth. And people need the truth today. Now, obviously they need the truth spoken in love. So uh, the Lord, the Lord and each of us have need of you uh, being successful. And so that's, that's our heart is we want to help you be successful in what, what God's put in your heart. And so uh, I'm glad to be a part of this. I, I want to tell you, I want to tell you a funny before I get started. I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you about the, uh, in this session about the, the primary phases of church planting uh, and or birthing a ministry. So, uh, but before I do, let me tell you funny, this is called the, the best candidates for surgery. So three surgeons are discussing among themselves who makes the best patients to operate on. The first surgeon said electricians are the best because everything inside them is color-coded. <laughs> the second surgeon said, no, I think librarians are the best because everything inside them is in alphabetical order. And the third surgeon shut them both up with his assessment. He said, no, you're both wrong. Politicians are the easiest to operate on because there's no guts, no heart, no brain, and no spine. <laughs> Plus the head and rear end are interchangeable. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, you, gotta, you gotta laugh and have fun in church. Um, so, you know, I wanna, I wanna talk to you about what, what I've seen now. Um, look, I, uh, what I'm talking about, I don't think I'm an expert at, at what I'm sharing, but I've planted uh, two churches and, I've, uh, and, and then we've planted out of our church, a number of churches. Uh, we, we, we sent families out uh, that were that were giving families and, and real mature families and and we've sent staff members out to <clears throat> to plant churches and so uh, so I, I do have some experience with this and and I think none of us has the whole uh, you know has the whole picture or the whole loaf on what what's involved with church planting but what I want to talk to you about are the primary phases of church planting or birthing a ministry. So the first phase is, is the, the discerning phase. And this is the stage where you receive the call to pastor or to plant a church or start a ministry through prayer, through revelation or impartation. And there, there's some, at the, in this phase, there's some level of understanding of the scope or the sphere of your call and assignment and ministry office. Um, but you know, you need to you need to discover and you need to ask the Lord if what if your call to plant a church or start a ministry is geographic. Um, you know, in Acts chapter 16 and verse 6 and verse 7, the Spirit of God would not allow Paul to go into Asia or Bithynia at that time. And then he had a vision in the night in verse nine, a man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him and said, come over to Macedonia and help us. So he had a geographic call at that, at that time. 
And so you need, you need part of the discerning phase is not only what you're discerned to do, but is there a, is there a city? Is there a group of people? Is there a location that God's put in your heart? Now, if there's not, then, then you can be open to, you know, you know, birth a church uh, anywhere or, or birth a ministry anywhere. But, uh, you, you know, then, but you have to also get a kind of a sense of the time or the season you're being called there uh, because <clears throat> uh, there, there's not only with every call, there's not only First uh, Peter 1.11 says, knowing what and what manner of time the spirit does indicate. So it's not only important to know what God's called you to do, but, but also the timing that he, that he's, that he's calling you to do it. And, you know, any of you who are married and have children, you understand when you conceive the child is not when you birth the child. And so, uh, you know, there, there, and, and, but the same way that you can, you can know, you can know the what of what God called you to do. You can also know the timing. You can be, you know that the spirit of God made clear to you what you're called to do. He's also gonna make clear to you the timing. Now here's a challenge for a lot of church planters is, and, and people that birth ministries is there's a lot of spiritual miscarriages and abortions in, in the, in the uh, body of Christ today because people are trying to birth prematurely. And so, you know, you wanna, you wanna make sure that, that um, you know, you're not only hearing what God called you to do and where he called you to go, uh, if there is a geographic call, but also the timing of, of birthing that. And um, so, you know, it's, it's important, uh, Ecclesiastes 8 verse 5 and 6 says to every purpose there's both time and judgment so the purpose is the what of what God called you to do obviously the time is the when the judgment is the how or the strategy and my experience is that you can a part of the discerning the timing is when you get the strategy and we'll talk about that uh, phase of church planting but um, you, 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 the, where God downloads a strategy uh, to birth what you, what you're pregnant with. So then, you know, you need to look. You need to make sure you, you, you were sent by God, and you didn't just went. <laughs> you know, that's a, that's important. And then, and then, um, Second Corinthians ten, uh, thirteen through fourteen, um, Paul. Uh, knew that there was a there was a specific sphere or sphere that that uh you know that God assigned him to, and so in verse thirteen it says um, it says we however will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us a sphere which especially includes you, for we are not overextending ourselves as though our authority did not extend to you, or was, it was uh, to you that we came with the gospel of Christ. So, you know, you, you want to, you, you want to, uh, you know, discern and pray and seek God in this discerning phase. You know, what is my sphere? What, what is my call? What is, what, you know, 
where where is my assignment? Is it geographic? Is it uh, is it church planting? Is it is it some other type of ministry? Uh, you know, and and once you're sensing the Lord's direction to a certain area, let's say if it's geographic, you want to go and walk on the land and walk on the ground and spy out the land, and then you want you you can expect divine connections and divine appointments uh, with a man or a woman of peace that will give you favor and hospitality. I, I remember when God spoke to us to plant our second church um, from our church in North Texas. And he spoke to us about this uh, city to, that we were to go to. We went and just did worship services for probably three months or four months. And then God, before anybody from that area really came, maybe one or two people, but, but we started finding favor with, uh, with a few people. And then they started bringing people in and, you know, it's just, you, you can know this. And when God calls you to a place, there's going to be a man or woman of peace that he connects you with um, and that you, you're going to have favor with and who's going to provide you some hospitality financial favor, whatever. Um, and, and, and you, you, you can know that that you can know and expect, and I, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for them, um, you know, and, he, and Paul in his call to Macedonia, he had a, he had a vision in the night that a, a man, it was a man said, come over and help us. But notice when he got there, it wasn't a man that he connected with initially it was a woman, Lydia. And so for you prophetic folks that are really black and white and legalistic, uh, you know, you, you need to be open to who God will send to be that man or woman of peace that will open doors for you. So the second phase, first phase is, is the discerning phase where you're discerning what this, what, what does this call look like? Is there a geographic uh, scope to it? Um, what you know? Uh, what, what do you? What it? What is it that you've uh, called me to do specifically? And then, then there's the preparation and the training phase. And preparation time is never wasted time. So you know, I the Lord spoke to me when I was in Bible college because I was wanting to get out of Bible college in the first year. And the Lord said, son, I want you to stay here until you're finished preparing. And he said, if, if I return while you're preparing for what I called you to do, you're going to get credit for everything I'm, I've called you to do. And that's powerful. And you think, about, you think about Jesus. Jesus knew when he was 12 years old what his call was, uh, at least, at least a, a, a part of it. And... Um, but once he discovered his call, you know, he prepared for 18 years before he was released into that. Um, you know, and there are people that, that were dying without hope all around him for those 18 years, but he didn't move in the fullness of his call until he was released by the father. I'm speaking to some today, you're pregnant with purpose. You're pregnant with ministry. You're pregnant with, you know, to pastor a church or lead a church or whatever. But um, uh, for some, you know, you're, you're not quite ready. You haven't finished the preparation and training stage 
you need to be you need to be willing to just uh, intern with uh, one of your uh, to, with your pastor, or one of your ministry leaders for a period of time until the Lord releases you that it's time. And now maybe a, in some cases, your pastor or leader isn't going to, you know, is he's going to try to hold you back or he may be insecure and all that, but you make sure you don't, you don't leave before uh, the right time. And when you leave, you want to leave right. Um, because how you leave a place is exactly how you'll enter the next. You don't want to leave a place. Uh, uh, let's say you're serving in a church right now, and um, you know, and and that pastor doesn't have a church planting vision, and then you know the Holy Spirit told you to go start another church in that in that city. Well, I, I'm sorry, the Holy Spirit's not going to lead you. To leave, to leave that church and take people with you and split that church. Um, that's, not his, that's not his plan, that's not his will. You wanna leave right. Uh, if you have to leave for a period of time and come back and then don't be calling that church, that church as members. Now you may have some of them end up coming to your church, but do it right, do it as much as possible, uh, do it right. And that's part of the preparation time. Paul prepared and, and trained for th uh, approximately 13 years before, uh, you know, the, the, uh, where he was separated unto his call. You know, he was, he was saved in Acts 9, but Acts 13, where it says, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work, work whereunto I have called them, was several years, uh, you know, in, in the process. And the call to ministry typically involves a moment of revelation and a lifetime of evolving and growing and training. And I, I remember, uh, man, I remember when I, I was leaving Bible school and, and this guy spoke over me, he said, you know, you're a great pastor. This was a prophet. And he said, you're a fine, you're a great pastor, a fine pastor you'll make, but I have yet another training phase for you to complete. Well, I didn't want to hear that because, <laughs> you know, we're always ready to, ready to go, but there are three steps in fulfilling your call is call the call, the training and the separation. And so, you know, you've got to discern the call, but then don't despise the training and preparation. And, and, and that's necessary for you to get to the separation. It's the same thing, you know, the analogy of the blade, the ear, and the full corn in the ear, the 30, the 60, 100 fold. Many are called, but few are chosen, uh, Matthew talks about. Uh, in other words, there, there are few, many are called, but few are separated under the call. In Revelation 17, 14, and those who are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. So the key is faithfulness. And um, and look, I, I'm all about you, you being released into your call, but don't try to self, don't try to self promote guys. Make sure, make sure that you're a blessing where you are and, and you don't despise the preparation and the training phase that God, that God has uh, for you. So, um, 
you know, actually I started my first, I planted my first church about six months early because people were encouraging me. We had about 40 people in our Bible study and they were all encouraging me, but I didn't have peace about starting it, but they kept encouraging me. And so I started and then they stayed away in droves. <laughs> I mean, I started with 14 people and, and grew a mega church to 40 in a, in three and a half years. <laughs> but uh, we were on life support for a while. Uh, it didn't have to be because I knew the what, but I, I tried to birth ahead of time. It's like having a, a, a child prematurely. You know, if that child is a preemie, if, it's, if that child is, is uh, eight, born at eight months instead of nine months, there could be complications. Or seven months, if it's born at six months, that, that child may not live. And so uh, it's so important that you take the time in the training phase. And, and I would be both so bold to say, you need to go and just ask your pastor or, your, or people that you're in relationship with. Uh, all right, do you see that I'm ready to do this? And, and what do you see that is hindering my, my readiness? What can, I, what can I do to prepare and do a better job? And let them know what you're pregnant with. Let them know the thing you have in your heart, but then don't, don't despise training and preparation. Then the third phase is a forming phase. So there's the, the discerning phase, then the training phase, and then the forming phase. Once you know the sphere and time of your call, now you want to begin to outline the strategy. Uh, it's basically like a ministry or a business plan to implement the vision. How are you going to execute this? You need to write the vision down, make it clear, and make it repeatable so others can run with it. Habakkuk 2. So what, what specific ministry are you, are you called? called to fulfill? Who are you called to reach? Who is your target market? Uh, what will your church and ministry do for others? And in, in what ways will it minister to people, help people, free people, empower people? Your, your vision must appeal to people, and it's got to be clear and genuine and compelling. And so then how do you plan to implement that vision? As much as possible, you want to describe a long-term vision and then back up and describe the different phases. What, what does the first phase look like? It could be a Bible study where you have healing meetings um, and social outreaches to the community, ministering to people. Uh, we did things like giving backpacks away to, uh, to uh, people in the impoverished area of of our, of our city and uh, to young children uh, when they went to school. Then you have team building. You, you've got you've to, as you're, as you're teaching people and having healing meetings, you're looking for those disciples or leaders that you can build with. That's what Jesus did. He had, he, he had the multitudes, and then out of the multitudes, he, he found 70, and out of the 70, he prayed and chose 12. And so you, you've, got to, uh, you've got to have some meetings and where you can discover mature people. Now look, you, you, you've, got to have, you've got to be inclusive and accept anybody and love everybody, but you can't build a church or a ministry 
on everybody. Okay, you, you've got to build it on low maintenance people. You can't be doing that with EGRs. I call, affectionately call them extra grace required. <laughs> you, you know who I'm talking about, right? They have an eternal whine in their voice and they're constantly, you know, having problems and pastor, I don't know why. God's not doing anything in answering my prayers. I'm, I want to think, yeah, I want to, I can tell you why. But, um, you know, it, you love those people, okay? But you can't build uh, a leadership team with those, kind of, with those kind of folks. You've got to find low maintenance people, people that are not causing drama. Uh, they're not always having, they're not always challenging your decisions. You know, it's people who believe in, in your vision. And then, and then you, you begin to, when you're meeting with them, you begin to be not only minister to them, but then take that leadership group aside once a month and start casting vision. You don't want to, when you're planting a church, you don't want to just cast vision, 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 because then that can translate to somebody that that all you care about it all you care about is is you. you you know all you care about is your you know your vision and so um you you, you want to make sure you're feeding people and ministering to people but you can have meetings where you vision cast with your leaders and then you begin to talk about where and when and how you'll start your church and launch your church um you know i and you want to identify once you're maybe you have you could have two Bible studies and or three and then merge them together uh, and have once a month meetings or healing meetings or whatever. And then then you, you, you talk about when when's the best time to launch? Well, you know, um, there, there are some times of the year are better than others. You don't want to launch when there's a, a school, a holiday break or over the holidays, you want to, um, you know, depends on your, on your culture and your nation and when school starts. And people are typically ready to learn uh, at the beginning, beginning of a school season or right after holiday season. And so you want to pray about launching at the right time. Um, here in the States, a lot of people like to launch on Easter or Resurrection Sunday. The problem with that is usually it's in April, and then after April, you get right into May, which is graduation time and Mother's Day, and then you go right into the summer in the in the United States, and and that's a time when people go on vacation, and so you really don't have time to get momentum. So here in the states, I advise people to uh, launch in January, February, March, or September and October. And for the reasons I just mentioned, you know, and then what, what service and ministry teams are you going to need to in place to launch, whether it's worship or children or nursery or helps ministry, you're going to have to have a setup and tear down prayer team, you know, um, and then what are your goals for the size of the team and for the ser for service? If you have too small of a, of a launch like we did with only 14 people, um, it's a downer for people, for new people that come. Um, 
And then what is your marketing strategy? Uh, you want to leverage your team's social media uh, to the maximum with, you know, testimonies and, and put good testimonies on there. Uh, maybe, maybe short teaching clips that people can send out on their social media uh, so that you can, uh, you know, market uh, your launch. And then, and then you have the launching phase. And this is the honeymoon phase. Basically, you can do no wrong. Everybody loves you. Everybody compliments you for the most part. Um, you know, it's like, it's like when you got first get married, you can live on love uh, until a financial downturn occurs or low attendance or a low offering or a holiday weekend or your worship leader doesn't show up or your nursery worker walks out in the middle of a service. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, you have, if, if, when, at, at the beginning, there's a lot of momentum, people are excited, but then, you know, you get back down to life and no matter what you face, now you're committed. It's like birthing a baby. You know, once you have that baby, then you gotta, you know, it's feeding that baby, changing the diapers, all the, you know, all the stuff that you've got to do. You can't go back once you launch. You know, it's like, uh, it's like marriage, right? <laughs> You're committed, man, and uh, and and now you got to go. Then, uh, then it's the launch phase. Then it's the storming phase. Okay, and I'm not, I'm not painting a picture here that church planting and pastoring is all bad or filled with negative experiences. I just wanna provide you with some reality that God, that God didn't call you when he, when he called you to pastor and he called you to uh, you know, birth the ministry. He's not calling you to a bunch of mature folks. He's, <laughs> he's not calling you to a people who have, you know, who have it all together. He's calling you to immature people are job security for you. <laughs> and man, my first church that I pastored, my, my three leaders too, you know, one, one, of them, one of them was a constant talker and, and the other two had a smoking habit. <laughs> it's like, God, these are my leaders. And he said, yeah, you should have seen mine. <laughs> uh, they were the duh disciples, but you know the thing. The thing is, you know you're, you're dealing you're dealing with people, and you you've got to love people, and you've got to stay committed to the call. During and people have to they're they're going to watch and see how you react and how you respond to difficulties and things that don't work well, or you know you have the AV uh, sound demons that that try to mess up your 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 church service, or you allow the gifts of the spirit to manifest. And then, and then somebody comes in and, and they're, um, you know, they, they have a terrible word or, or they manifest in some weird way. Well, look guys, a bad sound system Sunday or somebody given a wrong prophecy or manifesting something, that's not going to destroy your church what this really a test of how you how you're going to respond to that i had a one time i we had i was on vacation and my executive pastor who now is the pastor of that church he called me um 
on, on Sunday morning while I was actually, I think I was playing golf. <laughs> I think I just took the Sunday off and was, you know, just vegging out. And, and he calls me, he said, he said, Pastor Greg, he's our intercessors have brought out a bunch of flags and they're just running flags throughout the worship time. And he said, I'm about to lose it. And, and I, I told him, uh, I picked up the phone and called him. I said, son, let me tell you something. You're never about to lose it. Um, just because they came in unannounced, I said, just let it, let it be. And it's not going to ruin our church. Um, you know, we'll give direction to the flag and banner people. Okay. And they're worshiping God. Just when worship is done, they'll sit down. Don't, don't worry about it. People are watching you when, when things don't go well. How do you respond? Do you freak out? Do you, you know, do you, you throw in the towel? You know, how are you going to deal with disappointments when people don't follow through and goals aren't met? And then selfish agendas that a few members have. We'll talk more about that of uh, pitfalls to avoid in the next session. But, you know, when they want to promote their own agenda, how, how are you going to deal with doctrinal differences? You know, people come in with all kinds of weird doctrinal things. You got to love them anyway and speak the truth in love. Or you get persecution from the community or, or you know, a few, you get financial manipulation by a few successful businessmen and women or, or you experience disloyalty on your team or, you know, marriage challenges or family challenges or financial challenges. How are you, are you, are you going to stay committed when, when you're in the storming stage? Um, are you, are you, can you be moved off of your call? The apostle Paul said, you know, none of these things move me. Neither do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy. Then, then um, finally, uh, well, I've actually, there's two more stages. I'll just mention these because I think uh, we're, we're about two or three minutes away from a break. But uh, then there's the norming phase. And this is where unity is established on your team, where vision is clear. It's being promoted by your leaders. Priorities are in order. The major ministries in your church are supporting the vision instead of using the platform of the church to substitute their own. Sheep are settled down. They're, they feel safe. They're trusting the leaders. They're reaching out to others. They're reproducing. And you as the pastor passed up all the opportunities to give up and go and, and leave your call. Um, you've persevered. And then, and then there's the bearing fruit stage where you're raising up leaders and, and man, God's, the church is healthy and the government is on his shoulders. Um, and then, and then the word is increasing and the number of disciples are being multiplied. And then there's the bearing much fruit stage. And that's multiplication where you're sending out other leaders to birth other churches and ministries. And you're having an impact in your community and people are, impacting others on, on, on the job and you're supporting missionaries and planting other churches and and uh, man guys the 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 power of what of what God has called you to do the 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 
power of the influence that he's given you, the potential of this thing is just, is just uh, exponential. If, if, you'll, if you'll discern what your call is and the timing of it and make sure that you, that you prepare and train and, and uh, for that call. And then, and then when, when you, uh, you form right, you're, you're considering the timing and, and how you wanna do that and what's the strategy uh, of birthing this thing right. It's basically like you're pregnant, but now you're getting the nursery ready, right? And you're changing the rooms around in the house and you're getting ready for the baby. How do you, how do, you do that? And then the launch phase, you know, the baby's born and, um, and then you have the storming phase where there's things that aren't going to, everything's going haywire, but you, you, you aren't allowing the circumstances around you to move you off of the call that's within you. And then there's the norming stage where things start to, uh, there's unity and peace and you're starting to see things uh, grow and people feel safe. And then, and then, then you're bearing fruit and then you're bearing much fruit. Listen, I'm prophesying over each of you that the things you're pregnant with, uh, God will fulfill it. But you need to understand there are steps and stages. There are different phases to fulfill this call, just like it is a child that's born. They don't grow up overnight. And so I just speak great grace over you as you, as, as you learn to walk out the call that's on, that's on your life. That's lovely. Thank you, Greg. Um, if you have questions, you're welcome to put them in the Q&A section and uh, we'll get into them with Greg in the next, uh, after the next session that we have with him as well. And so we're going to take a 10-minute break and be back, or actually a five-minute break and be back at just after quarter two and get into the next session. So you've got a brief uh, break there uh, to grab something to drink and get ready for the next session. Thank you so much, Greg.